The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Interrevolutionary Radio with your host, Beth Green. This is James Maynard, your co-host. Today's topic, the future depends on our kids, and what are we teaching them? Let's talk to Helen Helix, MFT, lead for the Unleashing the Power of Kids campaign. If you think the world is too violent, competitive, and polarized, if you think there's too much greed and self-centeredness, stay tuned for an exciting discussion about what we can do about it. Let's shape a better future by creating programs to teach our kids alternative values. To do this, the interrevolution.org has launched a campaign called Unleashing the Power of Kids, mobilizing them through fitness, cooperation, service, and thought. This campaign aims to encourage individuals and communities to offer fun and stimulating alternatives to violent sports and overcompetition, while also supporting kids to experience the power of contributing to our world and exercising critical thought. Our guest, campaign lead Helen Helix, MFT, will share today about the campaign, as well as describe Super Supportive Sundays, a program already inspired by it. If you care about kids and the future, stay tuned and watch Beth's exciting video, Unleashing Kids Power, on Interrevolutionary TV, VoiceAmerica.tv. And now, here's Beth. Well, I just realized something as you were reading that uh, intro. I wrote the intro, and what do you think I left out? It's not the interrevolution.org that's uh, launching this. It's Beth Green and the interrevolution.org. <laughs> and I'm thinking, where did I go? Well, anyway, guys out there, so I, I'm disclosing this right away because I want you to know that it's me and the interrevolution.org. And, of course, I'm the founder of the interrevolution.org. So there is a little bit of a connection there. But uh, is that nepotism? No, it's me. So it's not, <laughs> it would have to be a sister or a brother to make it. So anyway, I'll tell you, I, I am so excited. I am so excited about this campaign. I am so excited about what we're doing. And I'm so excited to tell you guys about it. And I'm going to confess one more thing before we go to the news about why I'm excited about this. Because I didn't have to study for days to get ready for this guest. Normally, guess what? When I have a guest on, I mean, I am like up to my eyeballs, reading things, watching videos, learning all about them and what they're doing so that I don't sound like a complete idiot when I get on air. And not only is more important that I don't sound like a complete idiot, that I actually ask them relevant questions and that we're sure that these are the right guests who are inter-revolutionaries. Well, this time I didn't have to do that because <laughs> this is our campaign. And I know Helen Hillux, by the way, not Helix, Helen Hillux. And I know she's an inter-revolutionary. And for those of you who are new to inter-revolutionary radio, inter-revolutionaries are people who are committed to oneness, seeing ourselves as one, you know, accountability for our behavior and the impact that we have on ourselves and others, and mutual support, whereas we support the whole and the whole supports us. So I'm so looking forward to the show. But first, we have some fantastic 
in a revolutionary news for you. Take it away, James. Yes. Well, this first news item is from today's guest, Helen Helix. And this is taken from mystudentapt.com on October the 6th. Rob Myers has a revolutionary idea. There's a way to stop mass shootings, and you won't like it. That's what he says. You won't like it. Rob Myers thinks we aren't going to like the solution he proposes, but we at Interrevolutionary Radio actually do. Because it requires us to do something personally, as opposed to shouting for the government or anyone to do something. Here it is. Notice those around you who seem isolated and engage them. According to Rob, if every one of us did this, we'd have a culture that was deeply committed to ensuring no one was left lonely. And Rob believes that loneliness is what causes these shooters to lash out. And he may be right. People with solid connections to other people don't indiscriminately fire guns at strangers. While we at Interrevolutionary Radio do believe in gun control, banning guns alone is not going to work because we already have a huge supply of weapons everywhere and relying on mental health professionals alone won't solve the problem either. But Rob suggests some things we can do. We can talk to our coworker for a few minutes. We can talk to the kid in our physics class that appears to be all alone. We can teach our children to do the same, to make sure that no one is left to feel totally isolated. The people you engage may not become lifelong friends, and they don't need to be, but it could be enough to keep someone away from the darkness and isolation needed to eventually think lashing out is an effective strategy for dealing with their pain. I love that story. I think it's so true. I remember feeling alone a lot of my life as a child, like he's talking about. Last time, I think oh, we had on the news this buddy bench where you put a bench out and a kid who feels alone can sit there and other kids can come over and talk to them. And I remember feeling very alone as a child. And uh, I didn't have any guns and I was nonviolent, but I certainly felt a lot of pain. And I really agree that I feel very angry when I feel alone and isolated and unloved. So, okay, maybe you don't. Maybe you're big and strong and courageous and it doesn't bother you, but it sure bothers me. And so I love this idea. And I think that this is so much a part of oneness. You know, our getting that we are one and that we're hurting. You know, like this kid that's hurting is actually going to end up hurting us. And, you know, there's a very practical way that we're seeing. Uh, we're seeing that oneness is real. And that if we act on oneness and we are inclusive, wow, we might be able to change the world. Boy, that is a great one. Take it away, James. Our next item is also from Helen. This is from ABC News. October She's taking over the show, James. I'm She's taking you. it I'm over from you. me. What can I say? <laughs> By the way, this news item is Sesame Street's first Muppet with Autism aims to end stigma and promote understanding. By the way, the latest mass killing was by a young man who was toward autistic, according to his mother. Here it is. Sesame Street is welcoming a new Muppet friend as part of a new initiative to help destigmatize autism. The new, puppet, the new Muppet's name is Julia, and she's a preschool girl with autism who does things a little differently when playing with her friends, the lovable Elmo, Abby, Kadabby, and Grover. Julia is part of Sesame Workshop's new digital initiative, Sesame Street and Autism, See Amazing in All Children, which includes an iPad app and various online resources for parents with kids who have autism. 
She has some behaviors like not looking at you directly in the eye. She's a little more sensitive to noises and lights. But when she comes together with Abby and Elmo, she shares not only these challenges, but also what she shares in common, according to Dr. Jeanette Betancourt. The initiative's website was designed with autistic children in mind, featuring larger buttons, audio off but options, and the ability for children to customize content, according to the Sesame Workshop. Sherry Weston, Executive Vice President of Global Impact and Philanthropy at Sesame Workshop, states, This project is an extension of the belief we've always promoted. We are all different, but all the same. Doesn't that bring tears to your eyes? Admit it. Mm-hmm. Admit it, James. Did you oh, feel like yeah. crying? I mean, like, you th- this is oneness. This is yeah. oneness. Again, it's like, wow, we're waking up to oneness. Oh, my God. You look at the news and you see so much polarization and hatred and uh, you know, people at each other's throats. I can say that. And uh, then you see something like this. And it really touches my heart that there are so many people out there who really are beginning to understand oneness and inclusivity. And I love it, and it's so touching, and I wish that that had existed when I was a little girl. Not that I was autistic, but I was weird. Go ahead. Next story. <laughs> okay. Our next <laughs> item is uh, from, the, from Upworthy, their section called The Journal. This is uh, from December the 7th of 2014. Dutch students now live in nursing homes rent-free as long as they keep the residence company. Town planning student Jurian is one of six who have chosen to live in the yellow brick home in Deventer in the eastern Netherlands as part of a unique project that benefits everyone. The university students pay no rent and in exchange spend at least 30 hours a month with some of the 160 elderly who live here, doing the things professional staff cannot always do, such as just hanging out. They go see the pensioners for a chat. They play games. Go with them to the shopping center and do shopping for those who can't. The sharing idea has resonated in a country where many people do volunteer work and other retirement homes are coming up with their own variations on the theme. In some schemes, the elderly rent out a room in their own house or apartment. In others, housing projects are built specifically to house the young with the elderly. In Britain this past September, a commission chaired by a former minister has also made similar kinds of recommendations about incorporating elderly and disabled, should be incorporated into shopping developments, new apartment blocks, and even universities to prevent the elderly from being cut off in care ghettos. Well, there it is again. I mean, look at these amazing stories. James, somebody must have sent us that story because if it was done in December, then where were we? This is uh, almost next year. So anyway, somebody <laughs> must, whoever, whichever one of our listeners sent us that story, thank you so much. I hope that by the time they cart us away, James, which won't be that long, uh, that we get carted <laughs> away to something which is exciting and stimulating where there's lots of love and lots of people and lots of activity and we're not just sent off in warehouse. So thank you. And I think we have one more story. Yes, yes. One more item. And this is from another listener, Christine, from the New York Times, October the 20th, which was two days ago. More than 130 police chiefs, prosecutors, and sheriffs, including some of the most prominent law enforcement officials in the country, are adding their clout to the movement to reduce the nation's incarceration rate. Asserting that too many people are behind bars that don't belong there, 
The officials announced on Wednesday that they have formed a group to push for alternatives to arrests, reducing the number of criminal laws, and ending mandatory minimum prison sentences. Members of the group are scheduled to meet Thursday with President Obama. That's today, if you're listening live. The group includes the police chiefs of the nation's largest cities, as well as prosecutors from around the country. Democrats and Republicans alike have pressed to temper the economic and social costs of mass incarceration, which has been driven by harsher penalties approved by Congress and state legislatures from the 1970s to the 1990s, when crime rates were far higher than today. But this group, Law Enforcement Leaders to Reduce Crime and Incarceration, represents an abrupt public shift in philosophy for dozens of law enforcement officials who have sustained careers based on -on tough-on-crime strategies. The law enforcement leaders now say reducing incarceration will improve public safety because people who need need treatment for drug and alcohol problems or mental health issues will be more likely to improve and reintegrate into society if they receive consistent care, something relatively few jails or prisons offer. The organization released a report on Wednesday that states... With momentum for criminal justice reform accelerating, we want to leave no doubt where the law enforcement community stands. We need less incarceration, not more, to keep all Americans safe, the group said. See, this is a fantastic story. I, I feel like, you know, I, I, I'm Rumpelstiltskin. Is, no, is it Rumpel? Who was it? Who went to Rip sleep? Rip Van Winkle. Rip Van Winkle. He wakes up okay. 20 years later. He wakes up 20 years later and is like, hello, I think I woke up. And what happened to the world that I grew up in? You know, so what is so fantastic about the story is, again, you know, this is about giving people what they need. And I want to this is going to be a great segue into our guest. But before we segue into that, I just want to say that we're also in the oneness with the police officers. They're also human beings. You know, policemen and policewomen, they're humans. They have hearts. They have souls. They have awareness. Uh, They have relatives who are in prison. They have relations who are mentally ill. Uh, They may have that some of that themselves. It's like we're we're realizing that when we really connect to the deepest part of ourselves, there there is something in there that wants the best for everybody, and we are beginning to tap into that. You know, with uh, an attitude of oneness. So I love the story, and I love our guest Helen. Hillux is going to come on, and we're going to talk about essentially, you know, oneness, but with the same idea. What do people really need? Why don't we start meeting people's real needs for, of course, there's need for love. There's a lot, you know, need for oneness. So with no further ado, I'd like to introduce our great guest, Helen Hillux. Yay. Hello. Hello Hi. there. Welcome, Hi, James. <laughs> How are you doing, Helen? Great. I'm thrilled to be here on your show, and thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're very, very welcome. Well, um, as usual, we bring somebody on not too far before the break, but so we'd like you to give us like an opening statement. I think, let me see what I want to ask you. I want to ask you, what is it about this program that makes you the most excited? Not that anybody knows what it is. So what is Unleashing the Power of Kids? And what excites you the most about it? Well, as a segue from your news sharing, I think that the most exciting thing about it is that we are offering kids a program that trains them in cooperation and thought in a a brand new way, an inclusive way of seeing the world and seeing each other. And 
that's the most exciting thing to me is that we might raise a, a group of children who believe that we really are one and who treat each other as one. And, and how are you doing that, Helen? Well, we're doing several things. Um, the two structured activities are we're teaching children cooperative games. Instead of competitive games, we're teaching them cooperative games. Games in which the idea is to encourage each other to do your best. And everybody's happy at each other's success. Instead of trying to beat each other uh, down so that they can be the winner, we are actually even talking about the idea of having uh, part of the grain be that somebody is an encourager on the sidelines. And then they would become you know, a participant and then somebody else would be the encourager so that it's a process of encouragement and cooperation and everybody together engaging in these fitness exercises that are also lots of fun. And no matter what your level, because that's the other thing, we already have this program in place and it already involves children who are on the autism spectrum. And we've already got some experience in kids having feelings about you know, leaving each other out. And the other part of that whole process that we're offering is processing itself in that we will ask the kids how they think they're going to feel doing a competitive sport rather than a, I mean, a cooperative sport rather than a competitive sport. And then afterwards, did you notice your competition coming up? How did you feel about that? And so forth. So, and there is one more component, right? The service right, component. Right, the service, the service component, yes. Just, Leah, let's get uh, that in quickly, too, because we okay. have another I didn't know minute. how much time I had. No, okay. I know that. So, well, I misled you. I made you think that there was less time than there was. Okay, so the even in the game that I described where you have the encourager and the participant in the, in the game, the encourager is actually doing service right in the process of encouraging the other participant in the game, we're all that's a very important part because kids are so self-centered and our society yeah. has made them even more and more self-centered. The more, the, the older that uh, some of us have gotten, you know, we raised our kids in a very bad way, <laughs> making kids think that, you know, they should have everything they want. And so we're trying to turn that around by making kids realize that they're not the center of the universe after all. And in fact, they need to learn to really have empathy for others and and consider others. And that's one small way they'll be learning services by encouraging each other. We also have ideas of, for instance, taking the the cooperative games to a park. And then after the, the cooperative games are finished, then the job of the whole group would be to clean that park. Mm, so the, love it, that. Or the beach or... Right. Or, yeah. And also, I understand you're, you're considering just other straight service projects like bringing the kids into the homes for elderly. Exactly. We're going to come back and we're going to hear a lot more about this campaign from Helen Hillux. But right now we are going to a station break. So you hang in there because if you're interested in kids or even if you're not interested in kids, this is important because this is about retraining humanity's consciousness. And this is going to change the parents just as much as it is the kids. And we'll be back and talk about that in a second. We'll be right back. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Transform yourself and your world. Check out Beth Green's online community, theinnerrevolution.org, where you'll find effective support to become the person you really are. Find a variety of activities, including men's, women's, and family groups, low-fee counseling, workshops, events, and free support. Subscribe to our newsletter and receive a free PDF of Beth's book, Living with Reality. Meet a group dedicated to galvanizing the inner revolution sweeping our world, all at www.theinnerrevolution.org. I'm Beth Green, and I want to help you revolutionize yourself and our world. Take advantage of my powerful intuition in a private consultation that will amaze you. Discover my five books, three CDs of original music, School of Intuitive Counseling, upcoming workshops, trainings, and community. Sign up for my newsletter and get a free PDF of my book, Living with Reality. Tune into Inner Revolutionary TV, my channel on voiceamerica.tv. Find this and more at my website, theinnerrevolution.org. Be part of the inner revolution sweeping the planet. Tune into Inner Revolutionary Radio with Beth Green on the Voice America Variety Channel. And now, also enjoy Beth's channel, Inner Revolutionary TV, on voiceamerica.tv. See inspiring videos about our guests and the inner revolution. Hear commentaries that will help clarify our time. And watch interviews of people who will matter to you. Think outside the box. Watch Inner Revolutionary TV on voiceamerica.tv. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're tuned in to Inner Revolutionary Radio with Beth Green and co host James Maynard. To share your questions and comments, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to Interrevolutionary Radio. Welcome back to Interrevolutionary Radio. If you tuned in late, we are interviewing Helen Hillocks, the lead of the campaign called Unleashing the Power of Kids, mobilizing them for fitness, cooperation, service, and thought. And this is a campaign that was just recently launched. It's sponsored by me, Beth Green, and my organization, TheInnerRevolution.org. So Helen is just beginning to share with us uh, just kind of some basic outlines. Now, what prompted uh, this program? Some of you guys listened to our radio show before, and you've, you know what prompted it. But, but we're going to ask Helen for those of you who are new, because we keep getting new people, and we're so happy to welcome you. So, Helen, what prompted this? Well, I know you're not fishing, but the, but the, <laughs> answer, the answer to the question of what prompted it is your brilliance. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that was not what I was thinking of at all. No. no I love it. I love it. I'll take Thank that you. That is the truth, you know, that your brilliance prompted it. Uh, it, it began with lots of people noticing, but you noticing uh, the the violence and unnecessary amount of competition that there is in the whole world and especially focused on football. And you had a guest on your show, Steve Almond, who talked about that, who wrote a book about it. And it, you know, just started your wheels turning, <laughs> as it were. And pretty soon you woke up in the morning one day and said, hey, 
here's a program that came to me in the night or something along those lines. Um, and you called it Unleashing the Power of Kids. And uh, that's the way it started was it just like the, I don't know, was it Venus that arrived full blown and anyway. <laughs> well, you know, I'd like to share something. Oh, I love the compliments. Please keep them coming. Guys out there, listeners, I did not pay her to say that, honest to God. But, you know, what I looked at is, see, you know, I'm so glad that you gave that background about the football because, you know, there is this concussion movie coming out and there's a lot of awareness now about violence and sports and subconcussions and how kids even in high school and even little kids are getting damaged, brain damage and thinking, ah. And the parents, though, say, yeah, but see, uh, football is so important to our family, you know, look at what it's done for us. So I kept thinking, well, why do we have to have, why does it have to be that way? Can't we get the benefits of these sports without having the damage? See, that was the thing that was getting my brain going. And so you're right. I woke up in the morning and I said, well, what do kids really need? And what came to me was fitness, cooperation, um, service, service, and thought. See, the thought part is I, I'm losing that at my age. So, but anyway, I can think about deep things. It's just remembering the, you know, what I bought at the grocery store yesterday. If I ever went to the grocery store, that that's the tough part. So it's really thinking about this. It's like, what are we really looking for? And and somehow or other, we have it socialized in our brains that the only way to get those things is through competition. Like, oh, no kid would ever get fit if he or she wasn't trying to compete his brains at, maybe bashing his or her body and brain, come to think of it, uh, in the process. It's like, you know, is that really necessary for fitness? And what about the team stuff? They say, oh, teams. Yeah, but do we have to be competing against each other to have a team? Can't we be like one team? So, uh, you know, so those kinds of things, it's like I started thinking about it and I thought just what you were talking about, Helen, about how we raise our children to be so egocentric and that's, you know, so much also competition is about me, 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 me. And then thought, well, don't we know we need critical thinking? The fact of the matter is that the world as we have been running it is not that swift. I mean, just because we've been doing it like this for a day a year, a hundred years, or a thousand years doesn't mean it's the best way or the right way. We need our kids to be thinking about everything and saying, you know, uh, I said it in my video, you know, mom, just because you did it that way doesn't mean that it's right. I mean, God knows we have some glimmers of hope that the next generation of kids is not quite as racist as the generation that I came from uh, and our parents and our grandparents. So it's like, you know, we need people to be thinking and we need all of that all at the same time, building community so that kids can actually relax and have a different experience. I think we've all, I mean, why don't we talk about this for a second? It's, you know, James, you can talk about this too. And Helen, it's like, what kind of a world did you grow up? See, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, we teach oneness in, on Sundays in our churches or, you know, in our shuls or in our uh, temples and our, our mosques or, or we don't. But, um, you know, to, to give people an experience is so different for us to experience our lives through that paradigm is a completely different way of being than just experiencing our lives in a very egocentric, 
competitive way and then having all this blah, blah, blah about oneness and one, you know. So why don't we all talk just very quickly about how we were brought up and what the difference is. Uh, I could share. I think that I'm a poster child for competition, uh, competitive <laughs> upbringing. I was super competitive from the from the earliest times in sports, academics, playing trumpet in the band. I had to be first chair. Uh, I had to be competing, competing, competing all the time. And uh, it has really cost me. It has really cost me. It's caused me to feel more separate from other people. It's uh, regarding, it's particularly regarding my relationships with other men, I tend to see them as competitors, and I have had a tendency to not connect with them as deeply or as intimately as I might otherwise have done. I wish I had, I wish this program had been around when I was a child, because I would be a different person, and I would have a much greater capacity for feeling the love, the connection, the support uh, of other people, and myself supporting others. Uh, so it's been uh, quite a journey for me to come from that kind of conditioning. My father was that way too. Uh, to now transforming, working to transform myself to be more in the oneness with other people, more connected, uh, and all of that. And so I'm enjoying the process of feeling more of the love, more of the caring, uh, more of the sense of I feel more secure uh, mm-hmm. feeling connected with other people than when I'm feeling like the world is out there and it's dog-eat-dog and cat-eat-mouse. <laughs> or, or a mouse-eat-cat, if necessary, if they, if they possibly could. You know, that's, it's very touching to hear you talking about that, James, because you're speaking so, so much to what boys go through. Yes. And, and, you know, what they have to put up with, you know, in terms of bullying. I know there's a lot of initiatives to try to stop it, but where does it start? You know, it's one thing to say we're teaching these in words, but what, does it, what are we embodying? That's why I, I said earlier, we have to change ourselves in order to actually teach our children to be different because they absorb who we are and they imitate us. It's kind of frightening, but it's true. So I love what you've shared. Thank you so much. What about you, Helen? Well, one thing I wanted to comment on, I can relate to James, and I feel like for James, and since I know James, and for myself and others who grew up competitive, that the other painful side of it is not just the separation from others, but it's the internal critical voice that whenever we Uh. are exposed as having made a mistake of any kind, or we are not the first chair in the trumpet, or we didn't win the competition, then we are merciless toward yeah. ourselves and ravaging ourselves as being worthless. And yes. that's to me, is the most painful part, is that I can never be at peace with myself because I know I am not the best at everything in the world. And as we age, of course, our minds deteriorate, our bodies deteriorate. And, you know, if we don't do something about that internal voice, our whole experience of life is diminished. That is so true. And you see that so much in older people, they just become depressed. Yes. And I think it's true in, you know, hearkening back to the mass shootings, I think it's true in children that end up getting to their teenage years or their young adult years and they feel different and they can't compete in the in the traditional ways that are set up as the you know the paradigm for success 
And so they end up hating themselves. And that's, that's what is projected out onto others. Yes. In fact, so many of them know they're going to get killed. Or kill themselves. Yes. So it's either at their own hands or the hands of somebody else. This is like their way of going out with a flourish. Yeah. Making a statement about themselves, feeling right. powerful in a world where they feel so powerless. That, that, that is so true, Helen. That's, that's very true. Is there anything else uh, personally you think that, uh, that uh, has driven you to want to be the lead on this campaign? Well, <laughs> I hope it's not what I learned as a child. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, what I learned as a child was that I would secure my place. And in other words, I could compete with the other five children besides me, that I could secure my place by helping mommy. Mm. And by doing good deeds, by looking good, you know, looking helpful. And, you know, there's a bad side to that because then I don't get to feel the joy of service for its own sake, um, which I do believe I have healed. And and that is part of why I love this campaign is because I came from that background of competition and trying to be helpful in order to compete. And I feel like I now know the joy of just pure service. And I want to help other people experience that and the joy of cooperation and connection. You know, that, that again, is so important, the, the point that you're making, because um, we are one and we feel one another's feelings in a very visceral way. Uh, I know that we do. And so when there's that kid who loses, we all feel bad, but we you know what we take it out on them it's like oh you were the loser or uh we we see that child who's already being ostracized and we want to stay away from them because we don't look popular if we hang out with the unpopular ones yet we feel the pain of that there there is so much pain that we feel because we're not being accountable for being because one is accountability and mutual support that's the inner revolution you know, that when we're not accountable to one another for the pain that we are either causing or that we're complicit in, we are still going to feel that pain. Uh, for me, honestly, the whole thing, for uh, I'm, uh, competition, I can only do on the mental plane. I never had a, much of a body. But, um, uh, and, and I certainly wasn't going to compete if I was going to lose. And so I was going to lose in most arenas except being smart. That was my only claim to fame. But, you know, there is so much pain about all of it. And I think I, I saw it more, most clearly when I would watch something like the Olympics. Because I was not a big sports fan. But sometimes I would watch the ice skating or whatever, something that looks so beautiful. And you see the pain on the face of the people who lose. And you know how hard they've worked and how much they've driven themselves. And how much they hurt their bodies in order to win. And you're thinking, you know, you get this moment of glory and you have a lifetime of pain. You know, it's like, what are we thinking? And I, I just can't stand that feeling because I'm also very intuitive. You know, I feel the kaplunk. It's the kaplunk of the kid in Little League, the last kid to strike out. You know, it's so painful to watch that. Why do we have to recreate the world in its own self-image year after year? I mean, why do we think that just because this is the way the world is now or this is the way we're socialized, that it has to remain that way? I mean, this is what we're really trying to challenge here. And it's like, no, we don't have to accept 
that everybody's going to have to feel the pain of losing, that every little kid, you know, who doesn't get picked for the team is going to walk away feeling like a loser, uh, that the kid who's slow in school is going to feel shame, uh, that uh, the, the poorer nation or the defeated army, I mean, look, if you look at it on the bigger scale, you know, defeat leads to aggression. Like Germany, after World War I, was defeated and the reparations were required and they got very angry and aggressive and tried to prove themselves. And then we had World War II, you know, and, it, and so on and so on and so on. And I, I mean, that happens when you have an imperialist uh, uh, campaign where people, one nation takes over another. You think you're not going to get resentment on the other side. You know, people feel, they feel disempowered. It's the same thing. Win, lose. War, games school, it has that same energy and it is destroying us. And as women, I think also women compete for men and feel like they have to be beautiful in some abstract, ridiculous way. And then you see this uh, horrendous uh, plastic surgery that women do to themselves in order to keep competing with the next wife. Or the girlfriend that the guy is going to look at. Or I think men are doing that too to a, a larger extent. I mean, competition runs rife through our, every company that goes out and tries to defeat every other company. Rather than really working together synergistically and saying each one of us is something to bring to the table. Why do we have to accept that that is our destiny? That's what I want to know, Helen. <laughs> well, if you're asking the wrong person... <laughs> <laughs> because of course we don't want to accept that that's our destiny it just when you were talking it reminded me of my ex-husband who was a good little league softball player or maybe it was baseball little league baseball and it, as a grown man you know many many years later he was still plagued by being that child who made that error at the last minute at the la- at the plate Oh you know, my that, God! That lost the, yeah, that lost them the game in the in the finals or something like that, and you know this guy became a hopeless alcoholic later in life. And you know, I'm not saying that that was the 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 event that made that happen, but I think it's it not only turns people into resentful beings when they uh, when they don't succeed. And win against others, you know, and like you said, they feel it whichever way it is, whether they win or lose. But it also turns other people into such self-hating beings that they kind of shrill up yeah, and turn against themselves. You know, one way or the other, turn against themselves, turn against the world. And we certainly don't want to perpetuate that. And that's what unleashing the power of kids is all about, is offering them another way to experience it. Even if they live in homes that are, as you said, rife with competition, even if they go home and that's what's happening there, they still have this respite, this place where they can experience something different. And so can the parents if they choose to participate. Everybody gets to experience what it feels like to be in an environment where there is love and honesty and cooperation and you're encouraged to say how you feel and you're nurtured. And it could change the world. And we're hoping that it goes international. And it it looks like it already is. Well, 
on that note, we're going to take a commercial break. But when we come back, we're going to ask Helen about what is happening with this campaign. Is it just a bunch of words that's floating in the air or are people responding? So I know you're hanging on to the edge of your seat. So stick with us. We'll be back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Transform yourself and your world. Check out Beth Green's online community, theinnerrevolution.org, where you'll find effective support to become the person you really are. Find a variety of activities, including men's, women's, and family groups, low-fee counseling, workshops, events, and free support. Subscribe to our newsletter and receive a free PDF of Beth's book, Living with Reality. Meet a group dedicated to galvanizing the inner revolution sweeping our world, all at www.theinnerrevolution.org. I'm Beth Green, and I want to help you revolutionize yourself and our world. Take advantage of my powerful intuition in a private consultation that will amaze you. Discover my five books, three CDs of original music, School of Intuitive Counseling, upcoming workshops, trainings, and community. Sign up for my newsletter and get a free PDF of my book, Living with Reality. Tune into Inner Revolutionary TV, my channel on voiceamerica.tv. Find this and more at my website, theinnerrevolution.org. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. You're tuned in to Inner Revolutionary Radio with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To share your questions and comments, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to Inner Revolutionary Radio. Welcome back to Inner Revolutionary Radio. Today, our guest is Helen Hillux, and she's talking about our campaign, Unleashing the Power of Kids, and also the uh, specific program of um, uh, Super Supportive Sundays, which we're going to talk about in a minute. So uh, we were, Helen and we have been talking about why this program, what we're hoping for, you know, what's the mess in our world that we're trying to address here. And I hope that you guys out there are getting the idea that this isn't just about parents. And this is not just for parents. This is about everybody. This is about reshaping our own consciousness because we get to experience these things too when we participate and also helping to shape a new consciousness in a new generation and not in an intellectual abstract way, but in an experiential way. So like when kids go and do service, they're really going in there and they're getting the experience. I mean, you go to a homeless shelter and you have to deal with the pain of homeless people. That's going to be an experience that you need to talk about. And one of the things that I love about this program is that people are going to give kids an opportunity to process their feelings, not only about competition, which we've been focused on a lot here, but also on the service and the pain of the world that they're going to be seeing. So that's something I just wanted you to talk about a little bit more, that service component. And then I'd like us to get into how the campaign is going. Well, I I love the service element, and I think it's going to be extremely powerful. And you see it everywhere in adults. 
adults that you know who begin to volunteer in a program and feel that they have a worthwhile contribution to make to the world, it changes them. Mm-hmm. It changes their outlook. It changes how they feel about themselves. And they may not see some huge difference in the world, but they feel different. And mm-hmm. that the, that changes their life and it changes the lives of those around them. And that's what we hope to have for the children, especially because children are so self-centered that we don't often think of, you know, it's the kids who need to participate in this just as much as the grown-ups. The kids need yeah. to be growing up in that atmosphere of service and knowing that they themselves can make a difference. And whether that service is teaching them that, you know, when you clean up your room and you help clean up the community areas of the home, that's doing a service for the yeah. whole. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you allow your parents to go to a workshop, that's a service that you're doing to the that's for the whole. I think that this is so important because if we take away competition, then the question, of course, arose in, you know, in my head is, well, what do we give kids? Uh, to substitute for that, for them to have self-esteem. Well, first of all, they get the love and the fun of cooperation, which is great that to feel that connection. But you can get self-esteem from actually seeing that you you matter, that your life matters because of the contribution that you're making to our world. And that really does give people a heartfelt experience and we also are going to give them a chance to talk about how they really feel about these things because it's important to not expect people to just go through these experiences without having feelings they always have to be processed and i love the fact that that this program you know recommends that and that's all part of it so now i'd like you to talk a little bit about um how this is working out with the super supportive sundays and what is happening to this campaign in general well, I'll start out with a super supportive Sundays, which was a, a kind of a brainstorming idea from our interrevolutionary uh, central, which is like our executive committee, uh, that we were discussing what could we do, and we came up with an alternative to Super Bowl Sunday, and it evolved into super supportive Sundays, and of course it could be any day of the week you want it to be, but um, it's the name that we've given to the events that we're having in the Interrevolutionary Family Program. And we are doing those very structured um, exercises that come from the, the, the program, the uh, fitness, cooperation, service, service, and thought, and that we have a, a cooperative game established and you know we talk about it before we do the cooperative game we talk about it afterwards we integrate the service into that experience or we may indeed do a very service oriented uh, Sunday in which we don't do any cooperative games we just do the service and then the processing before and after and but then also we're going to do some physical activity like dancing or something else. So always integrate that fitness piece. Okay, great. And and the parents are going to be participating right along with the kids. I think that's a very important element here. They're going to be participating in the in the service and in the cooperative games and in the processing so that it really does become a family environment that they can hopefully hopefully replicate at home. Oh my God! Wouldn't that be great if 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 parents could stop competing with each other? 
or 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 parents could stop competing with their kids. <laughs> yes, it would be it would be really great. And we're we're focusing on outreach right now. We have had the family program going for a couple of years. And now that's located first in, in the San Diego area. Right, in the San Diego area. We're hoping to soon uh, expand into the Phoenix area. We've got several families there that are almost ready to go. And I, I want to talk about just a minute more about the local one here in the San Diego area that the, the, that the program has really been blossoming the last few weeks. People are really excited about what the program offers now. And so they're doing a lot more active outreach and we're bringing in a lot more families than we had before. And we're so excited about that because obviously the more the merrier in this kind of experience, the, the more we feel like it's really a community effort, the more impact it'll have on more kids. And then they'll go home and tell their friends about it. And we hope it just grows like that. Um, and now I'll talk about the other part, the campaign, which is the larger umbrella program, which we hope will go international and partly through the efforts of people in the inner revolution and but solely through the, their efforts at this point. And I want to give James uh, a commendation for he has really worked hard on doing outreach for the Unleashing the Power of Kids campaign. And several of his contacts have written back and said they really want to be, be part of it. They don't know how they can do it in their area. One woman from Brazil that he put me in touch with um, on from Facebook has already said she wants me to come to Brazil to show them how to do, <laughs> how to do the group in Brazil and wants to know more about how the, the program works and about how you get funds. Of course, she doesn't know that we do everything with volunteers <laughs> in the inner revolution. There, there, there is no funding happening at funds, this point. Funds, what's that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, you know, we would love to have donations. We are a nonprofit. We'd love to have donations. If we yeah. had donations, we could do more. I mean, I could fly to Brazil if we had right. donations. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Yeah, and, I, but I'd in love the mean- to go there. In the meantime, we can video conference everywhere in the world. That's right. In the meantime, we're going to video conference with her. Um, Another, I believe it's someone who wrote in to Beth Green in the Inner Revolution on the the Facebook page from Costa Rica in response to the campaign. Um, and I'm going to be contacting her, and uh, that's another place I would love to go <laughs> <laughs> and, and help them, you know, set up programs. There's another woman in New York who has uh, expressed interest in it, and we have a lot of people in the San Diego area. We we um, did a screening for, and this is another one of Beth's radio shows, a couple of, of your radio shows about the Radical Grace film and we, I was the lead on that campaign to do a one-night screening there. And a lot of the organizations that co-sponsored uh, uh, that event are very interested in this program as well. But we've only, I've only been doing outreach with them for about a week now, so we don't have them as full-fledged co-sponsors. Although we do have our first co-sponsor is the Interrevolutionary Men and That's right. Yes, of which James is a part and doing a wonderful job. And we're hoping that we'll get lots of other co-sponsors, and I'm sure we will, because people are very interested in this program, as you can see, all around the world. And 
they know. It's because they know. They know what Beth has been talking about today is true, that the world is in a sad situation and that the, the root of a lot of the pain and suffering in our world is alienation. And alienation comes through competition and the lack of service. So, you know, that alienation and self-centeredness and the domination of the ego. So, you know, people know and they're recognizing that this program has something really great to offer. Um, the, the Another person that's been interested so far is a former well-known TV anchor here in the San Diego area who used to be on Good Morning America. And she's very excited about the program and called it, quote-unquote, brilliant. And, um, you know, she's talking about Beth there and is going to... <laughs> yeah, but to think s- how brilliant you are because you agree. So that, that makes you that's brilliant, right. too. I'm brilliant, too. So <laughs> she's going to support us to get local press coverage and uh, I, I and perhaps national. She's got... She has contacts from her news days, uh, all from the from the president to, you know, overseas celebrities and so forth. So we're really hoping that she will step step forward and uh, help us to bring this much-needed program all around the world. So just to be clear, the campaign is the, the fourth elements, the fitness, the uh, cooperation, the service, and the thought. And the... Um, the Super Supportive Sundays is one way that that can manifest and that that's what the Interrevolutionary Families is focusing on, that particular format. But we think that that kind of format will work for a lot of people. And what is fantastic is you guys are the guinea pigs. You're going to go out there. You're going to have some experiences. You're going to have a lot to share about how this goes. I mean, we are not expecting that this will be a, a glitchless process, right? Because we are humans. But... Um, we are looking forward. I would love you to come back, Helen, and uh, keep us surprised about what's going on with the campaign and uh, let us know, you know, what some of the challenges are. You know, we're not the kind of cover-up people, right, about what the challenges no. are, how it's working out. Um, you know, where, where we're up, where we're down, and where we're breaking through. So... Right now, I'd like James to share with us what's coming up next week, and then we can come back and do our. Can you believe it? We're almost out of time. James, can't believe it. No. Okay, here no. we go. I can't uh, take it. Coming up next week, an upfront and personal interview with a world-renowned lecturer, Dr. Larry Dossey, the show that put Beth Green on the map. Some months ago, host Beth Green interviewed the world-renowned lecturer, Dr. Larry Dossey. It was an amazing experience to hear these two talk about oneness as a spiritual and scientific phenomenon. Dossie was so impressed with the interview, he sent Beth a spontaneous testimonial the next day. Here's a snippet from what he said. Quote, do yourself a favor, tune in, pay attention, follow Beth. Your life will be richer as a result. Unquote. We've been asked to encore the show, so here it is. Dr. Larry Dossie is a pioneer in integrative health care a physician, executive editor of Explorer, Journal of Science and Healing, former co-chairman of the panel on mind-body interventions at the National Institute of Health, world lecturer and author of One Mind. As a human being and a scientist, Larry says he knows that we're not separate, but rather part of something bigger. Connecting to that one mind is vital to our world and our personal health and well-being. Find out why. Tune in for a great experience. Now, for a final word from Beth. 
Oh, I have to tell you that interview of Larry Dossie was just fantastic because he was such a warm, wonderful man. And it was great to hear about his experiences because he was struggling as a doctor in the 70s to break through. He was a real pioneer. And of course, I was in because we're of, you know, similar ages, right? <laughs> I know what it was like, and I know what the 50s was like in the 60s. And so uh, we had a wonderful conversation, and I really hope that you tune in and you enjoy it. And please, pass on this podcast. If you know any this podcast for our Unleashing the Power of Kids campaign, if you know anybody who cares about the planet, about consciousness, about the consciousness of adults, about the future... Let them know. Uh, we have a video on Voice America TV on my Inner Revolutionary TV channel, and we have very soon we're going to have this on podcast, uh, and you'll be able to pass it on. We want this to grow because we want to help. We want to help people from the inside out. It's not about, oh, this is my opinion and that's your opinion and what are we going to do and we're going to argue it out. It's about changing ourselves on the inside so that we can start to look at the world from a different lens. And then we'll see how many of our problems begin to dissolve or at least to transform. So I want to thank Helen you're such a warm and wonderful person. See, nobody should feel intimidated. They should contact Helen at helen at org, and talk to her or come to our Facebook page, which is uh, Facebook uh, Beth Green and the Inner... Oh, it's called Beth Green and the Inner Revolution. You can find us on Facebook. Send us messages. Talk to us. And uh, let's get together and see if we can change the future. So two seconds, Helen. What would you like to say? I'd like to say this program is simple enough that everyone can do it everywhere. Take it on. Embrace it. Make it your own. You won't be sorry. Oh, I love that. I love that. So, bless you. Thank you so much for being with us. And I look forward to you coming back and keeping us posted. I would love to do that. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Inner Revolutionary Radio with Beth Green and James Maynard. The next episode will broadcast live next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And don't forget Inner Revolutionary TV on voiceamerica.tv. Think outside the box and join us.